So the scripture this morning is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sothenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you are called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The word of the Lord. Continue uh, for the next few weeks with the same theme and kind of mini series as we're in the season of Epiphany, thinking about God being revealed to us in Jesus, about about identifying and seeing Jesus, and uh, considering whether or not we will we will follow Him, worship Him. I'll confess to you that I love building Legos, playing with Legos, uh, especially the the big kind of uh, kind of nerdy sets like. Star Wars ships, uh, Harry Potter sets. Lauren got me a big uh, the retro. It's a Ninten- the original Nintendo. Um, it's a Lego, light, like real size. And then an old, you remember when TVs were big boxes? You build that um, so it looks, and you can change the screen so it looks like you're playing the old 80s Nintendo. She got me that for Christmas. So when I, get, when I finally get our basement job finished, I get to build it. But I love doing that. I do love it's a creative kind of building, but I like the sets and especially especially like spaceships and things like that. I think they're really cool. I love doing that. I don't know if any of you do that or if that makes you look down on me. If so, good for you. But I am very secure in myself and I enjoy doing that. And I've passed it on to our children as well. They love building sets. We have a lot of Legos in our house uh, that have traveled the world, Legos, from here to Africa and back as well. Uh, we love that. As I've gotten older, you may not be with me on this one, I realize that I really, really like, besides just liking the store, I really like building IKEA products. A lot of people don't like this. I love it. I see it as sort of a Lego for adults if you don't like Legos. Um, you know, you, if you've been into IKEA before, there's this beautiful giant store with all these, and there's all the creative storage stuff. I would go crazy with all the, if I didn't have 
you know, a budget, all the creative storage things. I'd love it if my house had like, you didn't see almost any stuff out and there was creative little places to hide everything and store things. Children make that very hard though. Um, but uh, one of the things, but yeah, you, you know, you go in and you see all this stuff like, ooh, a couch or this nice dresser. Look at this creative thing. And then you, if you, you know, every, every Ikea is pretty similar. There's multiple floors and eventually you make it to the marketplace. Uh, and in the marketplace area, there's stuff for sale. And then, and then you get into like the warehouse where you then have to locate you know, some sort of weird Dewey Decimal System kind of thing, the boxes you need, and then you end up with all these flat pack boxes that you get to turn into that dresser. And if, especially if there's anything like a drawer, you're, they're surprisingly good quality, but you have to do them by hand, which can take a long time. Um, and, and you get them home, and it's kind of like a, you know, a box of Legos, but a lot bigger and heavier. You, you put it all out, and then you get this little instruction book, and you try to make this little box or boxes turn into this big thing that you wanted or your spouse wanted, and you get to put it together. Uh, one of the, when I think about this, one of the common elements, I think what I, maybe what I like so much about these two similar things is that you start off with a box or a couple boxes. You know, it's not exciting. You may have a picture that's exciting, but it's just a box. And then you, within there, you have all these pieces and instructions, and eventually you go from that box or boxes to this nice spaceship or dresser or, you know, whatever it is that, that you're building. You've got all the elements inside the box or boxes that you need to complete the project. Uh, but you've got to use them right. Inevitably, every, just about every IKEA build I make, at some point I put one step wrong, and I realized a couple steps later, this isn't fitting together. Oh, I didn't, I didn't identify the proper screw or whatever, and I gotta, gotta change that real quick. Uh, but you gotta put, you gotta use the pieces right. You also have to carefully read the instructions, which are usually pretty good, but you have to kind of learn how to read them and what you're looking for. And you'll notice that you've ever, maybe your kids have ever received non-Lego Legos. Uh, in Kenya, it was very easy. There's a store all over the world called Miniso um, that is Chinese, but it's meant to be Japanese. It's kind of tricky. It's really just Chinese stuff. And they have all these generic Legos, which are pretty cool, but the instructions are just mind-boggling and, and very difficult to understand. Or if you buy IKEA-type products from somewhere else, you often end up with instructions probably written in the same factory where uh, steps are skipped or you don't, you're just supposed to figure out how to put all this together. So those, you know, you need good instructions. But if you have good instructions, then you pay attention, you read those instructions, um, and you'll end up with this nice new built product. You've got everything you need to turn it into the end goal. You just have to do it. In our passage today, Paul tells the, the fledgling church in Corinth that they're basically the same. That they're kind of like a Lego box that's been opened up and poured out or an Ikea purchase of box or boxes that's been cut open and spread out. They're not built together, but everything they need is right there. They just are going to have to, to do it. They're going to have to read, you know, be careful, use the pieces right, that sort of thing. I think that the same is true for us today. Let's walk through this brief passage, um, and next week we're going to read the follow-up of a really, really important section. Um, 
which will be, be very helpful. So, starting off with verse 1, uh, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes. Um, I think here, again, we have a, a reference that's not really overt, but I think it's a reference to his being called, his experience with, with the risen Christ on the road to, on the road to Damascus. Um, he references that he has been, he's an apostle of who? An apostle of Jesus Christ. Um, and he is, he's an apostle by the will of God, which is contrary, or it's a, it's a bit different than I was directly called by Jesus, with, you know, by, I, I wasn't a fisherman on the shores or a tax collector like the other apostles. He's called in a different way, right? Um, and he'll often refer to it like, I'm an apostle of Christ by his will or by the will of God. Um, so he identifies himself this way. It's, it, within that very brief sentence, I think it's, it's, it harkens back to his experience on the road to Damascus. I think it also references something that we read in Psalm 40, which is a common theme in Scripture and especially in the book of Revelation. This idea that God wants to teach us a new song. That God wants to put a new song on our lips, in our hearts. Now, I will confess to you, I've said this before, people don't often get this. I don't, I don't usually, at, at least in terms of church songs, I don't often like new songs. I like old songs. I don't even really like the Gaither songs. and those, I mean like old, old songs. Two, three, four hundred year old songs. Um, you go, some churches, and, you know, they do a great job and they're, they're big into their worship music experience and it's a common trend today if you go to one of those uh, that they're, they're writing new music. Uh, so, so a lot of times, that one, one critique people have is they show up and they have no idea what's being sung, even though the words are on the screen. You know, it's completely unknown. They've never sung it before. It's hard to follow. Uh, people fall in different camps on that. Some love that. Some don't. And I'll confess to you that I have been sort of critical of that, and at times I am. But I've also been reminded over the last few years that this is a common thing that God tells us in Scripture. I want to teach you a new song. I want to put a new song on, on, on your lips, in your heart. And so whether that is referring to this big megachurch trend or not, the general principle that our old songs are good, but I'm a God who does something new. And I want to teach you a new song. I want to do something new. That, I think that's also what's here in this first verse. Paul is reminding us again. I used to be Saul, and he'll tell us a few times in 1 Corinthians, and I used to be very different. I had a different song on my lips. But I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. He showed up. Put a new song on my lips, and that's the song that I'm bringing to you. So it's a good reminder for those of us who sometimes don't like the new songs. And God actually says we're going to have to learn some new songs, and that's probably a good. Thing. Or some of them are bad, right? But but some of them are good. So uh, that's verse verse one. Now verses two through three together, he says he's writing this to the church of God that's in Corinth. To those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those in every place who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours, uh, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he starts off here, he gives greetings, salutations, pretty common way that letters begin, especially there was a formula for this, especially in the ancient world. Uh, he's writing to these new believers, this ecclesia, this, this gathering of people um, in Corinth. Uh, who specifically are gathering in the name of Jesus. 
They've been sanctified, he says. He goes on to indicate that they're still being sanctified. Uh, they're being made into saints together. He also says to those gathered everywhere, so it's an indication that he means this letter for those in Corinth, but he also hopes that it will be shared. And even, I think, like, you know, today, I mean, to us. And so the idea is that it would be, it would be valuable both to them and everywhere else. Uh, this is a theme we also saw in the Johannine epistles, this idea of being sanctified and, and still being sanctified. That it's not a you know, one and done, somebody slaps you on the head or whatever and it's all taken care of and you're now sinless and perfect forever. Well, that's it's just kind of really not the way it seems to go in Scripture. It's something that has definite moment and experience, a beginning, but it's also something that continues on. Uh, the, the whole the process of discipleship is a lifelong, lifelong process. And then we get to the, the bulk of this, which, which is really an introductory section. Uh, verses 4 through 9. Give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that's been given to you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you've been enriched in Him, in speech and knowledge of every kind. Just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end. So that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By Him you were called into the fellowship of His Son, now uh, Jesus Christ our Lord. And then, starting next week, and then if you on in 1 Corinthians, uh, He will transition. Now let me teach you something, basically, is what He says. So He says here, I give thanks to, you, to God. You've been enriched, right? Been sanctified, you've been made holy, you've been blessed. Rich is to kind of make an additive, to purify something, to make it better. You've been enriched in every way, he says. Now take note who he's writing to. Now unless, unless you're new to the faith, which is if you are, then great. But if you've been around the block a time or two, when you hear Corinth, you probably think of one of those daytime talk shows... Uh, people with all kinds of drama, fighting, and back. I mean, this. Uh, he's writing to a church with so many problems that he had to basically write the letter on how to handle problems to them. They're a very unhealthy, uh, quarreling, divisive bunch dealing with the craziest of things uh, that he has to jump right into in just a few verses. Yet, despite that. He's, he gives thanks to God and he says, you've been enriched and you've been blessed and you've been sanctified and you have everything that you need for faith, for salvation, for holy lives. You have every spiritual gift. You have all that you need. And what is it that they specifically need? They need Christ. And they need you know, Christ to be present in their midst by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's with you, he says, by the Spirit. He will strengthen you until uh, the, the day of the Lord, which is a way of referring to the, the return of Christ, to the day of judgment, uh, to the thing that you, you may fear. Um, people kind of can read that differently in Scripture. I don't think that we're meant to fear that as followers of Him, but it certainly seems like a sort of spooky, fearful event. Nonetheless, He's going to hold you through that. He's going, to, he's going to be with you all the way through that day, He says. You are His people, is what He's saying. And he ends by saying, God is faithful. God has called you. God will remain with you. So again, it's really important that, I, that we keep in mind who he's writing to. It, it, it would be different or easier if he was, you know, if it's maybe Philippi or, or Ephesus or one of the churches that kind of gets it more. But, but Corinth doesn't. 
And, and again, if you've, if you've read on at all, you've got the, the, the craziest of situations happening. This is like the textbook, well, I don't know how to deal with all these weird situations. It probably happens in Corinthians. Because they, they, they just break all the rules. They can't get along. The, the rich are oppressing the poor. You've got all kinds of strange sexual sins. All kinds of things happening. And he's got to address it. They're not unified in any way, which is central for Paul and for the church. That the church would be one. Something we should still emphasize today. This is the book of problems, basically. But he begins with this way. You've been blessed by God. You have everything that you need. You've been sanctified. You're being sanctified. You have... Um, Christ is with you. Hold, hold on to Him. Return to Him. And He will be faithful to you through the end. Despite all of this, all the problems, He's confident in, in the hope of, in the Lord. He's confident that God will deliver them and bless them. He basically is saying, you're, you're kind of like, like a big box of Legos poured out. You're kind of like a big Ikea project that you've been taken out of the boxes. And you're a bit of a mess right now. But just calm down. Don't get too worried or, or uh, overwhelmed. It's going to come together. Or it should. All the pieces are there. Everything that you need. You just aren't built yet. You have all that you need. And God is faithful and we'll see you through. So, so what should they do then? Well, I mean, basically, the short answer is return to Christ. They're, they're very much new believers uh, who, have, who have experienced and accepted Jesus, and, and then they're just sort of running with it, and, and they don't know what they're doing yet. They're, they're kind of getting the, what is it, the, the, the cart before the horse, they're, they're trying to sort of pretend like everything is built. They've got their spaceship built before they put anything together. And as a result, nothing will hold together. Right? Maybe they've built the top of their dresser, but it, they, did, they didn't do the sides and the frame, and it's just going to fall apart, that kind of thing. They need to return to Christ. They need to slow down, lean into their faith. And specifically, a theme that will come, come in throughout this book and all of Paul's writings, they need to do that together. Christianity is not a, an individual, just personal faith, just you and God. It's always, Paul's always writing about how you need to, you need to do this together. You're, you, you, you have what's needed in you, but also that's meant to be something done in community with others. You're meant to be built up with one another, and that's how you'll be healthy and holy and so forth. Some, we can Just from this brief passage, we can see that some of the things he points out are like spiritual gifts. He'll talk about that later. Pay attention to them. You'll notice that it's kind of like pieces of a puzzle, pieces of a building project or a Lego set. There's this one, there's that one, there's other ones. If you, if you have all the same, same things, you can't build your set. You can't build your furniture. You need a combination. You need complementary ones. Pay attention to spiritual gifts. See how they complement one another. Remember, it's not all about this one or that one. You're not better than somebody else because you have this gift or that gift. They're meant to be complementary, right? They're meant to be built up together. He indicates that. Pay attention to spiritual gifts. Prayerfully consider which pieces go where. Sometimes churches never take the time or, or boards or leaders never take the time to say, well... This person is really good at this, and this person's really good at this. How can we play to our strengths and, and weave this together and instead of just, well, we'll just have so-and-so lead this, or somebody's willing to do this, so we'll have them do that. This is 
pay attention. What are your giftings? What, kind, what are you working with? What's your palette look like? How can you make these things work together? And that, that typically means slowing down and paying attention. Prayerfully considering which pieces go where. What's the next step? You don't want to have to take the whole thing apart because you put on a side wrong. Right? I've done that. You want to take your time. Identify the screws or which peg goes where. Or, you know, this piece A looks a lot like piece B, but there's one hole different. If you've built any IKEA project, you know what I'm talking about. You have to look for that. <laughs> that one little hole makes a huge difference. Which step do you follow next? Remember what you're doing, he says. Slow down. Think ahead. This is my, my summation, right, of what he's saying. Slow down. Think ahead. Act carefully. And more than anything else, do it together. You won't succeed if you're just doing this on your own. If it's just, I have this gift or I know this or whatever. No, it's meant to be a communal thing. Man, I, we'll see this next week. That doesn't mean everybody has to think the same. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Community and, and teamwork does not mean everybody has the exact same opinion. Everybody feels the exact same about everything. Unity does not mean uniformity, but we'll see that next week. Anyways, I think church the same is true today. We've all, we have all that we need to be faithful in the service of God and others. That applies as persons, as individuals, and that applies as a community as well. We have all that we need to be mature persons of faith. We have all that we need to be a mature community of faith. You are ready to be the church that God is calling you to be. And I don't mean that you're not being the church that God is calling you to be. But I think this is what Paul is saying. You've got all the pieces. You, if, you, if you doubt that, sometimes we doubt that. If you wonder, why can't we do this or that? Or, or how can we accomplish this, this goal? You have all the pieces that you need to be a mature church of faith that God is calling you to be. What you need to do, what we need to do is remember what drew us in in the first place. That's often one of the most important steps when you're feeling kind of a disconnect with faith or with your, with your church or whatever. Remember what drew you in in the first place. Remember your first love. Jesus talks about that in one of his letters to one of the seven churches in, in uh, the beginning of Revelation. Remember your first love. Why are you here? I mean, you're not getting any like brownie points or, or uh, anything like that for being here. Why are you here? Why are you a person of faith? Why do you read scripture? Why do you believe in God? What is it that drew you in? Remember that. Lean into it. Cling to it. There are times in life when you can barely hold on. And that's what you have to do. You just, you have to hold on. There are other times when you're doing very, very well. And that's not as essential. You have to help others hold on, Right? Remember why, what drew you in. Trust in Jesus. Prayerfully consider the future. Think about what steps are coming up. Look to the pieces that are there. Think about how you might complement others. How others might complement you. This faith is not about just you and God. This, this body of worship is not about just you and Jesus. How does your spiritual gift or blessing or strength compliment somebody else's what is it if you're really good at something well then maybe you should be serving in that area uh, maybe there's somebody right now who's just barely clinging and holding on because they're serving in that area and that's not their gift but they just know it has to be done well then step up and go and help 
free them up to go and work in the area they're called to work in. That sort of thing. Consider each other as more important than yourselves. Paul says that later on as well. It's a great way of living in community, of thinking about how to balance things out. If you consider others as more important than yourselves, and of course that's risky, because if others are thinking only of themselves, well then they get all the emphasis. But if together we're all thinking of others as more important than ourselves, it all balances out and we're all being cared for. That is the way the early church operated. They thought of others as more important than themselves. They gave sacrificially to the point of sometimes giving everything in acts, which would not work at all unless others are giving everything and providing for each other, being a community that's being built up together. Work together. Play together. Move forward together in faith. Trust in God. God is faithful and God will see you through to the end. I believe that that what Paul is saying to the church, and again, he's talking to a church that's really messed up. And uh, I I don't think that you're really messed up. So you've got a leg up on the church at Corinth. And I think his message is the same. And we, and we remember them to this day, so who knows? But the same message is true for us, for you. We've got all the pieces necessary to be faithful as individuals and as a community. If you doubt that, then return to Christ and lean into Him, trust in the Spirit and say, okay, then, then how do we do this? And what is my strength? And how can I give that in service? And, and, and then others can do the same. And then suddenly... We become a cool spaceship or dresser or whatever it is, a church that's necessary in the community. Okay, three, three quick takeaways here. First, uh, thinking back to Psalm 40, and it's really a theme throughout all of Scripture, God desires to put a new song on our lips. Transitional times, a good time to remember that. That what came before was great, but God desires to put a new song on your lips. If we don't do that, then at some point, we're not relevant anymore. It's important to learn new songs. And you can take that in all kinds of different ways. God desires to put a new song on our lips. That's not always comfortable or easy, but it's important to learn those new songs. Number two, uh, Paul writes to those who have been and are being sanctified. He tells this really kind of unholy, messed up group of people, hey, let me start off by saying God's blessed you richly. God has sanctified you and God is still doing a work in you. Okay? John tells us that in his letters. Paul writes it throughout. It's both a, it happened and it's still happening thing. You've got a lot of hope, but you're also, you've got, you got a lot of work to do as well, he's saying. And then finally, you, number three, you like the church in Corinth, you have everything that you need to be faithful. You have it. But you'll never realize that. Again, not, not, not trying to push on the, the, the image or the analogy too much, but have you ever been building a Lego set or a puzzle or an Ikea project or anything? Anything where you're given all the ingredients, you think, and you can't find a piece? You're looking everywhere. You know, it turns out it's like on the carpet. You can't find it or it's under a box or packaging or heaven forbid you didn't get it. Then you're really in trouble, right? But often you have the piece. You just can't find it. Taking the time, this, this begins with us and we work out. So we return to Christ as persons, as individuals. We lean in on Him. What is it you've called me? Remember your first love. What have you called me to do? How can I do that? 
You know, if you've ever done like a spiritual gifting test or things like that, what is it that you're good at? You can even just start real simply like that. What is it you're good at? Maybe you're good at baking cookies, right? Or maybe you're good at cleaning up after people. Maybe you're good at speaking and teaching. Maybe you're good at the piano. Maybe you love kids. Maybe you love to pick garbage up and nobody else likes to do that. You don't like to talk to people, but you like to go around and do things of that. Who knows? Maybe you understand computers and technology or how to lay tile. Whatever gift you have is meant to be a gift to others and to the world. So you, you return to Christ, you lean in on that, and you say, what, what is it that you, how have you made me? And then, oh, I can give that to the community. And then as you do that, and others begin to do that, suddenly you, you, you go from being a bunch of unopened bags of Legos or pieces laid out all over the place or the puzzle that's just poured out, suddenly you begin to be built up into what God has made you to be. You have all that you need to be faithful. You just have to do it. Amen? Amen. 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 Then do it. Why don't you stand and receive the benediction as you prepare to go out into the world today. Church, may you go forth into the world to be who God has called you. May you be equipped to be God's faithful servants in your home, in your workplaces, in your families, in the church, and in the world. Go in peace. You're dismissed.